Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning into the IoT Insider. My name is Dan Cunliffe, and I'm Managing Director of Pangea. And today, I am thrilled to be joined by uh, a very well-known person in the, in the industry, Mark Riddell, who is Head of Indirect Channel at Absorb. Mark, very welcome to you. And a nice welcome to both yourself, Dan. Always a pleasure, never a chore when I'm in your company, that's for sure. <laughs> and that's why we love him, people. He is <laughs> very, very welcome in the studio. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the digital divide and particularly what mobile data's uh, role is in connecting the UK. Um, I thought maybe we'll give Mark just a chance to give a little bit of background. Um, many people know you, Mark, obviously, uh, from your time at Absorb and before, but just give a bit of background to what you're looking after at the moment and, and your side. So, yeah, been with, we've been, been with Absorb 11 years now, predominantly just to help build up the channel. Uh, as you see from the grey hair, we've been in the channel basically probably from the days of dial-up, which you probably can't even remember that, Dan. Um, oh. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> Makes funny noise, right? <laughs> so now, you know, from, 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 from obviously what started off with 23 partners, I think we're now we've got 193 active wholesale billing partners. Um, so everything that, you know, the our partners are doing it's all white label it's on their contract and their bill um and i think the key key aspect is we started off i think probably would be fair to say a mobile centric com uh, a, a company um we're, i think i'm right to believe we're the only service provider in the uk now that actually is able to deliver all three major networks on a white label wholesale basis with full yeah portal functionality and in effect what it's doing is actually just giving those partners the ability to operate as a virtual service provider rather than as a as a, as a wholesale reseller um, and yeah really got the whole gambit now in terms of data networks DSL which obviously will be topical in terms of what we're covering um, and recently um, launched a hosted and and SIP platform so really all the, all, all the all the tools in the toolkit there to help support the channel in the UK. Yeah, awesome. And obviously just trying to give more and more value, right? That's Correct. the that's that's the plan. And obviously through your guys' incredible portal as well. No, thanks for that. And um yeah, I think what we want to talk about, you know, digital divide is a very broad term. Um, but I think the issue for sort of many people in the UK but also around the world not getting to, I suppose, experience some of the strong digital technologies, which I guess here in the UK we're we're kind of used to it, particularly when it comes to um, the business side of things. You know, we're able to kind of get a lot of our customers. You spoke nearly 200 partners in the indirect channel alone. I think we'll maybe just begin a little bit around, I suppose, we have to talk a bit about COVID, um, hopefully all coming to the end of it, and particularly what the pandemic has kind of brought out around digital divide. Um, have, your, have your partners sort of embraced mobile broadband more because of the pandemic um, or, or kind of have you seen trends? I think... Uh, there's probably been there's probably probably three three identifiable sort of um timelines that that's happened because prior to the pandemic and probably for about a year we'd actually acquired um a couple of global partners um and the and the biggest amount of mobile broadband traffic that was actually coming through those partners into the channel was all around um servicing business travelers and students coming into Europe and the UK and providing them with that um, with that access and functionality. As you can imagine, it was a bit of a blow um, when obviously the, the pandemic took effect and, and that, that, that actually came to a halt. But then, then what we were seeing was, was basically short-term um, contracts basically for providing internet access um, for people working remotely from home, which again was a necessity that was you know that was forced on businesses and and the solution was there because no one was well 
for the fact is, is that OpenReach weren't going to be able to run around in vans, basically doing installs on DSL no. lines. So they needed something, you know, a SIM that could just be banged out, you know, basically in the post or whatever it might be. And, and basically yeah. they were good to go. Um, and now we're coming out the other side. And I think we're now seeing the benefit of, of I suppose, that forced forced requirement to adopt mobile broadband by a lot of business who hadn't probably really occurred to them before because they were quite happy with uh, their fixed yeah. line connectivity um is now people more and more adopting it and looking at and i think to be fair from the reseller point of view now looking at other avenues and opportunities that they probably hadn't looked at before in terms of obviously selling those mobile broadband services yeah i know you you know you hit the nail on the head there where it comes to i think from from sort of getting the resellers to to kind of adopt something usually it's you know some kind of compelling event or it's a promotion or it's something to get the guys into it but there's nothing being more compelling than the fact that you all have to work at home. You're trying to work and your kids are watching Netflix and who do you want to make more happy your kids or, <laughs> you know, like being able to get online. It's probably get, get your kids happy first and then get yourself online. In the, in the well, well that, that, that's an, that's a fact. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so the ability to now have your own, you know, dare I say a slightly more dedicated service, which, which mobile broadband affords you um, not only at home, but yeah, you know, kind of, kind of allows that where your kids can just, Cane it on the uh, on the streaming services, and you can actually get your get your stuff done. But that's you know kind of a more um, I guess a slightly more affluent side when you consider the other side is that you've got a lot of uh, people in the digital divide who don't actually have adequate broadband either because of, um, you know unfortunately not having the same uh, luxuries or the same kind of you know wealth or just maybe about where they're situated. You know they've not been able to have the service. Um, we we obviously um, worked on a particular deal where we've connected loads of people, uh, in particularly through pandemic around, you know, children had to learn from home, uh, being able to give them services that can be uh, content filtered and particularly um, allow them to connect to any network from a single SIM card. Um, you know, from that yep. perspective, I think there is a lot of opportunity to continue that where where we maybe do get our resellers and our partners to focus on those markets a bit more, you know, it can be public sector, it can be vulnerable um, scenarios, but equally it can just be that sort of um, rural sector where I think mobile broadband will be just as strong. Geographic. Yeah. And I think, I think, well, as a, as a, being in that space, it is interesting because I think from a consumer driven point of view, I think we have seen that has been led for the network's point of view, that when you look at unlimited data, I think it has been the cases that they've accommodated that. And they have done it basically from a commercial point of view very, very well. I think what we now need to start seeing, it, it's probably not as competitive, basically, in the B2B space for the equivalent sort of tariffs. But I think, I think again, there's possibly a tide change on the back of what we've seen with more and more businesses adopting remote working and the likes and so forth, that we can actually see more of that happening, but also remotely. Again, as you said, people aren't necessarily living basically in, in central in central cities or whatever. If they're basically having a commute or they live out with, then they've just still got to be able to have that access to, to basically connectivity. And mobile broadband delivers that for them. That's for 100%. Sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other um, areas where I think uh, mobile mobile data mobile broadband is becoming more and more useful i think i think from a pangea perspective we we tend to um layer on i suppose the um a little bit more complexity through ip static ip the ability to add on 
um, sort of wide area network uh, scenarios on mobile, which is where I think, you know, kind of the more B2B market really obviously wants those things. But um, I think when you when you start to play that against today's market where guys have had PSTN services as their backup for um, straight off the dial-up, right, <laughs> basically, um, you'd have an Ethernet service and then you'd have your backup broadband that'd be running along ever so swimmingly. The challenge is, though, that your PSTN or your broadband service is generally running on the same sort of, you know, brickwork as your other fixed service. Um, you know, we've been seeing loads and loads of opportunity in that space where you can actually get rid of or, you know, go along with this turnoff of uh, PSTN in 2025 and start to replace everything with um, mobile broadband or even better kind of sort of your static IP solution on mobile. Do you want to maybe chat a bit about that with me? Basically being one of the founder, founding fathers of Instanet, Mr. Cunliffe, and basically yeah. you, you, you know, the, 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 that, that was, uh, that adoption of using a mobile broadband as, a, as an instant connectivity solution, rather than having to wait for a DSL line to basically go in. And to be fair, you are now, you know, I've heard in some cases, I say that the actual 4G, you know, the 4G delivery was 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 actually performing better than what actually the fixed physical connection was delivering as yeah. well. Um, so from that point of view, I think that there were a lot of, I think in the reseller arena, certainly as far as fixed connectivity was concerned, I think that was that was adopted and there was opportunities to be seen there on the back of Ethernet. But I think you're right. I think as we see now the ISDN switch off and effectively what is, the, let's say, the finally the adoption of IP voice, which yeah, obviously yeah. connectivity is absolutely crucial and critical there. Um, I think that's where, and certainly obviously the, the routers, from a technical point of view, the routers are now are actually been manufactured for a, quite a few years now to accommodate a 4G SIM yeah. to actually go in there. Is is, is that I think it just all becomes part and parcel of the same solution. And I think that will accelerate. And what's happened again over the last 12 months, I think will only accelerate that adoption of IP voice, but also mobile broadband backup. And in some cases, obviously, as, as it evolves and we move into to 5G, will actually will be the mainstay in terms of what that connectivity is going to be. Well, I was going to touch on you know we both love a good festival and a good uh, and a good dance. Um, <laughs> but what's gonna what do you think is gonna drive? Obviously, we've got the likes of retail hospitality. You've got a bit of a a bit of a big mountain to climb. I think coming out the end of the pandemic. Um, yeah. How you know the solutions that we provide, the ability to connect and maybe bring your retail environment or your retail capability to people mm. at a festival. Maybe even like you know I was thinking the other day about sort of. Um, some of your retail, some of your high street vendors actually moving pop-up stores closer to where people are going to be, yeah. park, et cetera. So you can start to do a bit more test and learn. I think that's a great opportunity for a lot of our partners yeah. um, where they can speak to retail and help them to have confidence in saying, look, you should go where the people are. The people don't always have to come to you and run this hybrid model while you're trying to get, um, while you're trying to grow your revenues again. No, it's interesting. Some of the ones that are popping up and we've, you know, we're, we're just on the verge of um, of opening up an, op an opportunity, and that's based around um, uh, camper vans, caravan, basically people that are actually on the road and where they are going back to the kids. When you're trying to satisfy and keep a bunch of children happy when you're out in the middle of a you know a caravan parked down on the coast somewhere, but the market for the, you know the market for that alone is absolutely massive in terms of. Um, yeah. 
but these these sorts of specific opportunities where people hadn't considered or probably looked at in the past, I think it, 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 it is really where the partners can now actually just you know, put a thinking cap on and, and the opportunities are out there for them. And they don't need to be, you know, as with all of these things, it doesn't need to be a BMW or a Mercedes dealership to basically go and get them. I think there's plenty of applications and a requirement for mobile broadband to be exploited by the partners in the marketplace. No, 100%. We were um, we were talking about the growth of endpoints around the world, and particularly the growth of um, mobile endpoints. And I think there was, you know, I kind of don't always buy into all of these stats because they change every, you know, every yeah. three or four months. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's fair to say there's lots, right? There's more and more and more things being connected. When I started Pangea with Chris, you know, late 2014, 2015, we were we were really kind of looking at like how do you keep telling the story of connecting anything possible out there. And now today it's actually different. It's like now it's about, well, yeah, I can connect everything. And I guess it's just, why do I want to connect it? It's probably a little bit more of the question. Like, what am I yes. going to learn from that thing that I'm connecting? And that's where IoT starts to really drive its value. You know, I think um, I kind of, I'm kind of keen to get your thoughts on what do partners need to, I suppose, embrace or get over to, to really buy into that, you know, of connecting anything. It's an area that I'm conscious of that that is that there are part that there are certain segments of the UK channel that have adopted it and are doing very very well. I put I put my hand up at this point in time. It's certainly not as a business. It isn't something that we've taken on directly. However, it's basically it is definitely on the horizon on the development plan for us to take out. But you know, I think back then, if you think. You know, we've gone off and, and basically shared some time together at Mobile World Congress over the last four or five years. Yeah. And I can now go back five. I think it's probably, what, four years at least, maybe five, that that whole message about, you know, the the world was going to be run on a data sim and 5G was being spoken about five years yeah. ago. I have to put my hand up and say I was probably one of those cynics and skeptics actually just wondering, well, Chris, there's still parts of Scotland that haven't even got 3G, never mind start talking about yeah. 5G. Yeah. But you're right, because... It, it, it's possibly one of those that I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't think the partners have actually fully exploited the opportunities that existed in 4G before we even meant moved on to 5G. Yeah. But it just opens a whole new world. But I think that's probably you know certainly from the area that you play in where you're operating between that four and 5G. You, you're you're yeah. probably certainly a lot more conversant with me in terms of obviously the opportunities that actually exist in there for the Internet of Things. Yeah, for me, it's um, for me, it's a lot about. I think we do our best work when we when we sit down with a partner and we say, look, can we actually look at your top twenty clients if you're yeah. willing to share it, obviously. And then we go and sit down and we scope out where and how and who we think is the best way to do it. And that seems to kind of open up the doors and the minds to thinking about it. We've always been very strong, as you mentioned, internet, but you know, the ability to offer that ab- that sort of connectivity while you wait for Ethernet or that ability to wait to have a backup been very strong there because well i mean you know clients of ours have been resellers in terms yes. of te- um, telecoms resellers so you yep. go to where they feel strong but i think now we're starting to um and probably for the last 18 months is do more around the fact that well hey you know actually why would you um why would you not connect a tablet with content filtering why yep. would you not connect um a tablet uh, with a multi-network sim, maybe. You know, why would you not do a tablet on shared data? I know these things might sound simple to some people who have adopted it, but a lot of guys haven't. Where you say to them, "Hey, I mean, you can actually get the same commercial structure, 
on a multi-network sim that you could sometimes on a single net if it if if, it, if you create the right structure for it, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What that creates though is way more than a twenty-four month term because why would you move away from a multiple network offer to us later on down the road and you can kind of help guys down down that road? But also it's about saying you know the devices that you want to connect doesn't have to be um, those consumer devices. You know, it's also about, so almost like traditional in my mind now, because I've been doing it for a while, but like EPOS devices or um, SIMs in, you know, things like defibrillators or lifts or mm. um, you know, tracking devices, all these stuff go along. And I, and I think if I can call it kind of early, early thinking 2014, 2015 was a lot about, I need, you know, hundreds of thousands of connections to make this work. Today, you don't. Today, you need tens or 20 connections to make this payback for itself. I mean, just yes. two weeks ago, we did some services where uh, the ARPU on one SIM was over a grand. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's like not over it, right? That is no, a no. requirement because of um, the application needing a very high bandwidth. It needed to move around. Uh, it had to have static IP. These things are not are not difficult to find, actually, in my view. No, no. They're out there. So I think I think the world of kind of combining the IoT, the mobile broadband, and unlocking opportunities for our partners is gonna help them really jump on board when they realize the average revenue per the sim is just going up and up and up in certain cases. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's actually you know, I've been talking to my guys, and that's more from the point of view of obviously resellers being partners of ours, having a better understanding right from day one when they engage of understanding that reseller's yeah. business and then understanding then how best to serve and support and help them with obviously the, the, the portfolio products or the tools that we've actually got. And I think that's probably, well, you probably know better yourself, Dan, if that, that's maybe where, that's maybe where the focus now needs to be for partners when they're then talking to the end user customer to then better understand obviously what their business is. And then from that point of view, I say if, if a lot of the resellers don't even know, that that's a solution that could be delivered to a p particular vertical or a business, then from that point, the end user hasn't got a hope in hell of knowing what's going on. And I think from that point of view, those partners that do adopt that and basically can educate that, it, as with all of these things, it, it's it's basically just getting out there and 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 just feeling a wee bit uncomfortable in doing something that they've never yeah. done before. Yeah, yeah. I um, agree. And, and then once they've once they've done it, then you know, then that's them in the groove, and they'll be able to take it. As for you, you know, even to the point of view where you're not necessarily selling it to a specific vertical or type of business, but the sort of things that you're talking there, would they just be taking that as a, as a, as an off the shelf proposition that could be offered to anyone, whether it was for two connections or two thousand connections, as it were? Yeah, yeah. I think um, this might be a little bit controversial, but I think sometimes if it's not on the high street, then maybe they don't think about it. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like if yeah I, if i haven't seen it um not necessarily advertised by the operators um and you know all of all of the resellers across fixed and mobile love to win against the operators of course they do yeah yeah because they offer personal service they offer local capabilities that kind of things but i i i kind of find that sometimes if it's if it's not available on the high street then it almost feels a little bit like okay this is different and and for example multi-network or static ip or um, you know, uh, a, a five megabyte SIM card versus yeah. a five hundred gig SIM card or a one thousand five hundred. You no, know, the different different models there. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I I find that part quite interesting. Like when you talk about getting out of comfort zones, that's probably it sometimes. You know? And I, and I think and I think they've got to be careful they don't miss a trick because going back to, you know going back to the five 
the 5G thing. And, and again, I, I still, I'm still slightly cynical on the basis of, 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 of what it delivers to the guys in, in our channel as it stands today. You know, I remember being at a Mobile News Award panel debate that was on what, probably three years ago, I think it was in London. And they had all, they had all the CTOs of all, fa- all four major networks were actually up on stage. And at that time, you know, the question obviously quite rightly asked was, so when do you see this being adopted with, within our space? And everyone to the man, you know, said it was, was probably going to be about five or eight years. One, because of obviously the cost of the infrastructure that yeah. needed to be yeah. rolled out would needed to be completely different. However, what is interesting is that that possibly has been accelerated, driven by the networks. But in saying that, I come back to my point, I think there is just an absolute wealth of opportunity that has never been fully exploited on the back of what we've already got in our hands and have had for a few years now in terms of 4G. Yeah. And from that point of view, I think, you know, I think anyone that adopts that and finds these solutions for that, then I suppose all, all that all that 5G does is just takes it to a different level and opens a whole different type of opportunity. But at least they're cutting their teeth on it just now rather than thinking that it all it's all going to happen when 5G gets delivered, which I think would be a mistake. Yeah, you're going to be, I, totally I think you're going to be, I think left out in the cold is a bit strong, but I think you're going to be a little bit behind if you're waiting for that service to come to you because, you know, some of the stats are saying that, you know, only 20% of mobile traffic will be 5G by 2023. You know, that's still a good year and a half away, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 if you know the resellers as well as you do, that they ain't got time. No, <laughs> you know, no. You know, we all got to no. keep the lights on. We got to keep going. No. And you wonder, but and, and then again, the same question is that where that ultimately your service? Because it'd be fair to say, Dan, when when we when, when you saw what was going on across in Barcelona at Mobile World Congress, you you were talking the guys that were at the pinnacle of global yeah. corporate business and enterprise. Because that's that's always where the technology will originally be delivered, and then it will filter its way down. So never mind waiting until 2023. You know, and when it comes to the space where, you know, a small medium sized reseller is looking to exploit that, that, and I think that's why I think that's why they need they they need to adopt and basically go hard at basically what mobile broadband could deliver on 4G and the services that we can deliver today. No, exactly. Um, yeah, I think I think we, we need a whole another podcast session on 5G, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot more to talk about. We've got the good Dr. Oslan and his IoT solutions on 5G. <laughs> I can keep us busy for a while. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think what's important is that actually mobile is in a very good place. Yeah. You know, mobile broadband, mobile data, IoT, it's in a very good place because we're getting more and more of those um, technologies coming towards us, which is great. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's... That's what keeps our market so buoyant and strong. I'm going to pull it to a close there. That's okay with you. I think um, you know. Thank you very much for your for your insights um, and 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 some really really strong points over there. Um, I don't know if there's anything last you want to add before we close off, or kind of happy to go. Uh, I suppose if if there is a connection and it's that final piece, and, and that's it's only from the point of view of something that we exploited on the back of our NVNO that we've actually got on the back of the EE network was, 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 was again, which we could, is, is mm. for another day, is fix the mobile convergence. But from that point of view, that bringing, bringing that data and mobile together. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I think, and I think in the advent of what we've seen over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, with IP and hosted telephony, I think it's an, and there's more interest, I think, in delivering what is a genuine network level fixed to mobile product. And, um, you know, just watch this space. Yeah, I think, you know, fixed mobile convergence, as you say, 
been spoken about a long time, but a lot of guys haven't done very well. And I'm sure what you guys are talking about is going to be ace. It's going to be really, really, really strong. Thank you. So everybody, yeah, thanks for listening. You know, if you if you want to hear more or, or, or you have any questions, do head over to the website. Um, we've got loads of podcasts and blog content. Um, Dr. Usman, Chris Ramika, now Mark Riddell can, you know, sit in that echelon of wonderful people <laughs> who have um, joined me for a chat about uh, anything IoT and connectivity. But yeah, no, genuinely, if there's any questions, do um, do get in touch. Give us a call to obviously look at our LinkedIn pages, um, which all the details will be below after the podcast. So, Mark, thanks so much again for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.